Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, and so we are right here at CMX Art Station. And so what's the URL? Yes, CMX CGM. So yes. artstation.com forward slash CMX CGM. That's where you're going to get them. So thank you so much for being here. You're, I'm happy actually to help. I'm flattered actually you invited me. That's great. Absolutely, yeah. I'm excited that you're here. And why don't we start by telling people what you do? Because I think the title says lead character artist, right? Yes, I'm a lead character artist at Soccer Punch for the past, basically since 2nd of October 2017. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a lead working with outsource team, working with in-house team, a lot of management decisions and things like that, which I can explain based on your questions, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess the question I've got is like, um, how does your day differ from a normal character artist since you're a lead? What are the extra things you do? There's a misconception about being leads. Like a lot of people think if you're a lead, you get to do the best works or you're going to do all sorts of arts and things like that, right? But when you're lead, it's basically depends on the studio as well, but the different studios have different rules. But for me, it's like more like management, which is tough, based by the way. It's a lot of responsibilities. I have to train outsource people, outsource companies. I have to make decisions on hiring people, uh, training people in-house, making the schedule, talking to design team, talking to the tech team, concept team. I do art as well, mm-hmm. but uh, it's hard to say like, I mean, before when I was working at um, Sledgehammer Games, it was like 80% art and 20% other things, or 70%, 30%, you know? Now it's the yeah. opposite, actually. So it's like a 40, 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, even though I'm managing mostly or doing other, other things, it doesn't mean that I, have, I don't have influence. I actually have a big influence on the type of work that needs to be made. But it brings a lot of responsibilities as well, right? Yeah. So I hear like a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to be lead or I want to do this. I mean, I, I think they should do more research because that might not really be what they want to do. I wanted to do this. I enjoy dealing with people, you know, uh, training people, helping uh, other team members to grow. So what do you think makes a really successful lead? I have worked with bad leads and good leads. So you need to understand people, you know, there is a lot of psychology involved behind it. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a lead and give this guy the work that he wants or manage it this way. I'm going to be the best lead ever. You know, it's very important that you should understand people. Right. For me, this is this basically the first time that I'm like manager. I had the experience like at a sledgehammer or other jobs. I was freelancing for two years. I had like work with other people that I was getting a lot of freelance work. And I was like, OK, can you help me? You know, different friends. But working in a studio like this size and working on a big title, it's different. It's a lot of responsibilities, right? So to be successful, I mean, so far I have been successful. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. There's like sometimes you have to make tough decisions. You have to work hard. You have to sometimes work overtime. You have to be able to understand people. So besides doing art, art is part of it. But the biggest part is like how you're going to deal with people, you know? Mm -hmm. How you're going to keep your team happy? How you're going to... Manage the work so you don't you don't just do like boring stuff or give them boring stuff and do the good I mean give the good stuff to someone else you know and you have to be be aware like keep the moral up don't make the working environment toxic you know if something goes wrong you have to be ready to talk to people you know it's hard there is a lot of emotional 
work involved as well, you know, psychology, emotional, recite art. And mm-hmm. I have to actually read a lot about it, research about it, read books and things like that. It's not an easy thing to do, but once you understand how to do it, then it becomes like a routine and it becomes part of your personality. Yeah, I get it. So do you miss the art much or? That's a great question. You know, sometimes I miss, I mean, obviously I'm an artist, right? But I, I try to keep myself busy. Like, I mean, every time I'm like not doing any management or anything like that, I'm like, okay, now I have like an hour or two hours. So I'm going to work on this character or make this blend shape or work on a part of armor. The thing is, when we outsource work, for example, I get the work back and I'm like, I see issues. I give them feedback. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm not doing art. I'm actually constantly improving myself because seeing others' mistakes, it's basically like for me, it's like, okay, someone else made this ma- mistake. I catched it and now I can learn from this, right? And then later when I do something, I'm like, okay, that time that outsource team or that person made a mistake and I learned from it so I can implement that in my art, you know? It's an instant, constant improvement. Mm-hmm. Don't tell my students, but I learn from them too. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's definitely. I, I learn from everyone, basically. That's actually a good sign of like, <laughs> you know, yeah. being a lead or teacher. And you know, actually, it's it's interesting because I have seen people that they they're they're saying like they don't want to deal with being lead, but for me, it's actually the opposite because I like to interact with people, you know. And I think the biggest thing that artists are missing, they're just like constantly just doing art. And I think being a successful artist. If you want to be super successful, you need to also work on your socializing, basically, skills, mm-hmm. how to deal with people, how to respond to them in certain situations. And um, and I actually see like it's lacking in artists these days, you know. It's very common that people don't know how to deal with each other, you know. It's, it's kind of upsetting. <laughs> mm-hmm. A bunch of introverts. Yep. <laughs> yep. So you also, you mentioned something earlier about how important it is to be kind of well-rounded, not just artists, you know, monkeying around with software, but doing other things. So how do you get yourself like inspired? What are some of the ways that you kind of break out of CG in the computer in this box? The first thing that I can tell you first, I'm playing piano. I oh, started wow. a go, yeah. And um. I'm actually spending three days every day, every single day. That's my routine. Every single day. I have to play for three hours. Today is an exception because we are talking. So, <laughs> but well, thank you. Yeah. So every single night, if I don't practice, I will not sleep. And there is a reason behind it because it makes me relax mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. I, I play classical music and I actually recommend to everyone. Like I, when I talk to my friends, I'm like, you're missing big time if you're not learning music. That's one of the things I do. I can talk mm-hmm. more about it, but it's one of my biggest passion. You know, my, even my brother is a musician. So I was a, when I was a kid, I was also playing, but I was more into like making the sculptures and stuff. I mean, a year ago, mm-hmm. I started to also sculpt by hand, but there's only so much, so many hours in a day, right? So yeah. I had to pause that for a while until like I can do the things that are more important to me first. Like for example, like to upgrade myself on weekends. Um, recently, I started again to sculpt. In ZBrush, basically, digital sculpting. And mm-hmm. I'm focusing, right now, I'm focusing just to expand my anatomy lo- knowledge. So that's one thing. And also, I read every night. I read books. I mean, I started, um, I've set a goal for myself this year that I have to read this many books and the topics that are related to me, you know, to expand my knowledge and help me to grow and learn from art or uh, learn th- topics that are related to art or to, to how to say, like, self-improvement, things like that, you know. Yeah, do you have something that you're reading now that you recommend? Yeah. You know, those on the artist journey? Yeah, definitely. The one that I'm reading now, it's not related to artist journey, but there are several books that I can recommend. 
mm-hmm. the ones that I started this year. One of them is like, I think every single person should read it. It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor right. Frankl. Yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing book. I think everyone should read it. That, that's the only book that I would say, if, if no one reads a book, they should, they should read that one. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, one of the greatest lines in that, I think it's actually even on the cover or it's quoted in there, but it's the statement that no one can take away that final human freedom, which is just to, to decide yes. for ourselves what yeah. something means, right? Exactly. So no matter how bad it is, and he's using, of course, the concentration camp example. Yeah. No. You know, the, the that he says, which is very interesting to me, and I did it unintentionally in my life. I'll, I'll give you a, a quick brief about what happened to me and how I came here. I'm actually yeah. exactly where I wanted to be. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, you like, mentioned when you were younger, like 15. Did you yeah, envi- I started when I was 15. Yeah, did so, you envision this, or how did that work? Yeah, and I'll tell you that now. Okay. The, which is related to Viktor Frankl's line. He says, yeah. don't look for how, look for why. Your target should be why. How to do something, you'll find a way. That's human nature. If there was no why, why do you want to do this? You know, yes, you should have a goal. You should have a, you should look for the, uh, look for the outcome. And I think all the people that are somewhere like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or all those great people throughout history, Albert Einstein, Newton, right? Mm-hmm. They're not looking for like how to do something. They're like curious. They wanted to do something to achieve a bigger goal, right? And when I look at look at my life, it's very interesting. When I was a kid, when I was born, my, my mom says like when they, they were buying toys for me, I wouldn't play with them. I would just make toys myself by hand even when I was two years old. That's interesting. And then when I grew up, I started to play video games, you know, like Sega at the time or the f- first PlayStation. When PlayStation came out, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Games are 3D, you know? That, that was like uh, blowing my mind, you know? And then I was actually saving money whenever my father was giving me like a little bit of money. I would just skip it and go to a club and just play, you know, PlayStation because I didn't have PlayStation myself. And I was calling it Sony at the time. You know, this is like 1999 or 98. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a kid. And then one day my cousin told me like he, he bought a computer and he's like learning programming, right? And I was like, okay, so maybe they're making these games with computer. I didn't have any idea what's going on. So I was on the high school basically first grade. And then I told my father, I need to get a computer and learn computer. And he was like, why do you need a computer? I was like, no, I, I need it for this. And he set a goal. He said, if you get a good grade, then I'll do it. My grade was bad in the, in the first term, basically. Mm-hmm. But the second term, I was like reading crazy, you know? <laughs> and then finally, I got the grade that he told me to, to get, and then he bought me a computer. And then there was a coincidence, actually. It's funny because when I got it, there was previous Max on that machine the trial version. I don't remember exact. This is like 2000 or 1999. I don't remember the exact year. I was 14 or 15 years old. And I was like, it was kind of strange because when I opened the software, I was like, oh, this is interesting. You can make 3D stuff with it, right? It was very, it just played with my mind. I don't know how to describe it. And then time passes, you know, and then I buy more computers. And then I started to, a friend of mine told me there is a software called ZBrush. And I started to, Look for it, and I finally, finally started to play with ZBrush, you know. And then after some time, you know, that was ZBrush two, I think. Like that was a really old, you know, uh, there was nothing. It was basically really simple, basic sculpting tools and stuff. So yeah, I started to work with that, and then over time, I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to make games. You know, this is what I want to do. I need to be a VFX artist and make characters. Then in two thousand and four, there's a company called First for Figures. They're making toys. At the time, this guy, his name is Alex. He's a friend of mine, actually, now. 
he approached me and I was like, I want to make this. I want to make toys. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, why not? And I was crappy, by the way, at the time. I couldn't even, when I look at the stuff that I did at the time, I was just like, I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> what did I think about myself making models, you know? <laughs> and then I did a bunch of things for him. And then that, yeah. that kind of pushed me to feel like, okay, I started CG. Now I'm like, people are trying to approach me to get work done, right? Because I didn't know you can make money with it. My, my passion was like, I want to make stuff only. Right. Uh, I was a child, right? And I was just like thinking about making stuff. And then I was like, okay, if I make money, I can buy a computer. So after a while, I made some money that I could buy a new computer. I bought a new, new computer. It was like 2006 or seven, And I was like, I need to learn as much as possible. Then 2008, fast forward, I went to Dubai to just basically find a way to basically move, move out and find a place to expand myself, right? And then there was this company called Clockwork VFX. I went there and I visited them and I was like, okay, guys, I'm looking for a job. Would you hire me? They were like, like a small VFX studio. And Jason, the owner, he was like, do you want to do a test for us? They were making cars at the time, you know, commercials and things like that. And he gave me a test, you know, like make the car door, make, make the door for this car and bring it back. If it's good, they'll give you a job. I took it home and I made the whole car in like five days. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah. And I, when I brought it, he's like, he was surprised. It was like, Wow, this is crazy. You didn't use a scan. You just made the car in five days. I'm like, yeah. And then like a nerd, you know, I was like working since like 8 a.m. in the morning until like 12 p.m. in the night. So yeah. And then after like two months, he offered me a job. He was generous enough to offer me a job. When he offered me a job, I went back to my country again. I'm from Iran originally. Mm -hmm. So I was like hopeless. But I was like, no, this is not going to, I'm not going to end up here. I'm not going to just stop, you know. And I was like, yeah, I need to practice as much as possible. So I locked myself in, inside my room, like not going out, just eating in my room, you know, not watching anything, not doing anything, just working. And after like two, three weeks, this was like two months after I moved out of, like after that, I did that free night job for clockwork. Jason yeah. messaged me. I was like, do you want to come here? And I'm like, because he saw my new works. I was like, yeah, why not? And then it happened. And after like two weeks, three weeks, I went back and I started working there more seriously. Yeah. 2008 beginning of 2008 i was there for two years and then you know when the financial crisis happened things were going sideways and then he had to fire me so he fired me we're still friends he's an amazing guy i never forget what he did for me and then i found another job i worked there for like two years and then i got married to my amazing wife i think 90 percent of my success is because of her <laughs> so yeah from there i started to work really hard. I was working full-time and then coming home and practicing and doing other things, learning anatomy, you know, learning how to render texture as much as I could, you know, use the time as much as I could. And then it was in 2012, I think, I started to do a bunch of characters. And then what happened is I decided one day I was setting my life, this is not the job I want to do. I want to be an artist working in a good industry, not just like commercials. So I need to find a way. So I gave my resignation and I quit my job at the time. And then it was in 2013, I was approached by Konami, Kojima Production. And then they offered me a job, but the story within Kojima and Konami, they were like kind of like getting separated. So they took the offer back and I was hopeless. <laughs> you know, but again, I was like, no, I'm not gonna stop here. I have to do something. So So by this point you had you'd done freelance work. Were you out of Iran yeah. for good at this point? Like that you weren't going back to Iran? You were you were No, no, I wasn't going back actually. I, the thing, the thing is, Ryan, when I started, I had a tough life, right? My, my yeah. parents were doing whatever they could. Um, yeah. I never had issues with 
like shelter or food or anything like that, right? And I think I left better than many other people. But it was hard for my parents to basically see what this job can do. They can see it now. But at the time, yeah. they were like, what are you doing? You need to be a doctor. You need to do this. Yes. Yes. Do that, you know? <laughs> Yes, the whole, uh, I don't know if it fits, but it's like in, in India, in Asia, my wife tells me all kinds of stories. Yeah. You know, your, your life is decided by 10th grade. Exactly. <laughs> That's correct, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It's, I, I think it's a shared kind of culture within everyone in that area. How'd you but get I, them on board, though? Sorry to interrupt, but how'd you get them on board? Because this I is did. very... I didn't, yeah. actually. So this is an interesting part. When I was 18, I wanted to make me to go to university. I was like, I'm not going to do this. I want to do what I want to do. I'm not going to let you guys down. Just trust me. And there, it was hard for them. But after I started to make money and they saw, oh, money is coming from out of the country. That's weird. How do you do that? How do you make money from internet? I'm like, yeah, I'm making characters. They print it, make toys and sell it. And I still have the first toy that I made. It's here. My, <laughs> I brought it from all the way from Middle East to here. It's nice. <laughs> So yeah, when they saw it, they were like, okay, now you're, we understand. And then when I went to Dubai, they were like, no, you cannot do it. You're alone there. You know, life is tough, blah, blah. You need to do this and that. I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll either die or I'll do what I want. You know, I'm not going to live the life that others want me to live. I want to, it doesn't matter if it's my parents or if it's, I don't know, friends or government. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give up, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I went to Dubai and I had a tough time. Like I had, I went to live with friends and we had fights. Like shouting at each other and I had to go outside. I, I was homeless at some point for a few days. <laughs> mm -hmm. Landlord kicked us out. It's like, it's a funny story. And after I did this one, yeah, I mean, after what happened with Kojiman, you know, I was like hopeless, but I was like, no, I have to do this. Then finally, I got a job in Florida. I, I was approached by Crytech. I was approached by this company called Dark Side Games. And unfortunately, they got um, out of business at the time. Mm -hmm. So, and I was like, after evaluating, I had a bunch of other offers from Europe, uh, different countries, you know, like not, it wasn't official offers, but they were like trying to talk to me about it. I interviewed, I passed even the interview for Crytek and I was about to go to the consulate, get a visa and go there and visit them, you know, directly and things like that. But when I went to, when I spoke to this guy, his name is, um, I actually forgot his name, mm -hmm. Rick, Rick from Darkside. So... He called me, it was 3 a.m. midnight, and I was like, yeah, I'll come there. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, after a conversation, obviously, he was the owner of the company. Yeah. And then I thought it's going on, and then we started. he started my application for O1 visa, which is a talent visa. And then what happened is um, the petition got approved, and then after that, his art director wanted to interview with me, which became kind of a story. He called me, and he interviewed me. I'm an honest person. You know, I don't like to lie when I want to get a job, right? And he asked me a funny question. I was like, what would you do if you were rich? I'm like, what do you mean if, <laughs> if I were rich? Who would ask that question? I would, I, then I was like, okay, I would do art, but I wouldn't work for anyone. I would go on the beach and drink beer. You know, I made a joke out of it because I, I, I was kind of offended by the question. Because mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'm working hard and I want to do something. And you're asking me, if, what, would, what would I do if I were rich? I'm not rich, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. then I messaged Rick and I was like, Rick, what's going on? I don't know what's ha what's happening, but I mean, if you want me there, I'm I'm here. I want to come. If you don't want me there, let me know, and I'll just look for another job. And then he called me. And I was like, everything will be great. Let's do it. And I was like, okay, sure. And I told my my wife, let's go here. Forget about Crytek. So I dropped Crytek. He got my visa. I moved to US first to Florida, basically. And then I worked there for a, 
a few, I mean, several months, like about nine months. I applied, I got my green card, everything went well. And then suddenly I felt like the studio is going down. It was kind of, I could see the signs, you know, things were not going correctly and management was like kind of panicking and stuff. Yeah, and then I got it. I was fortunate enough because, again, at at, uh, at a critical time, it's funny because I got my green card like three months faster than usual, and my attorney was surprised by that. So I'm telling you this because because of the how, right? I didn't think about how. I was just thinking why I want to do this, right? Mm. And then when I got my green card a month after the studio started basically going down, and I was like, I I, I spoke to Ubisoft and. They wanted to hire me at Ubisoft San Francisco. Uh, amazing mm-hmm. people. Like, I, I really love them. One of the best places I work. I mean, lots of stories there, but yeah, it was an amazing place. So they contacted me and they said, we want to hire you. I was like, this is amazing because I'm just about to quit my job here. And I, I went to Rick and I was like, I'm going to quit. And he was upset. I was like, look, this is not going to work for me. I mean, I'm, I'm, you guys are not giving me any characters. Everything is going sideways. I can feel something is wrong. And then... Rick helped me actually. He was like, "Yeah, okay, that's fine. I understand your frustration. Hope you hope you have a good life." Blah blah. You know, that passed. I moved to Ubisoft, and then uh, we were working on a project there. And then, unfortunately, that project got canceled. You can see how many bumps on the way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That project got canceled, so I'm like, oh, "That this is not right." I mean, two game project canceled one after another. What am I going to do? And I didn't give up again. So. After that, I went. Actually, I applied for a sledgehammer, and they, they the recruiter contacted me after like fifteen minutes, uh, just one five fifteen. It was funny, and then he was like, "Yeah, let's come here for interview." Blah blah. We spoke, and then I went there for interview week, a week after, and I got an offer in two days after the interview. So I moved there, and then I worked. I finished Call of Duty, and then just right before two months before we finished the project, I decided I want to move out. There was a lot of stories. They even removed my name from the credit. Not because, because just, just because I left early and I was upset mm-hmm. about that. Uh, but I didn't let any of these to push me down, right? I mean, I contributed a lot on, on that game. So basically, it was October. Uh, it was August 17 when I left and I had an interview with Soccer Punch a week, a week after. Yeah. yeah. And I told him, honestly, yeah, I left because I, didn't, I wanted to go to, a, I mean, explore something else, right? And it's funny, like, if in the beginning of the story, it's all like when I was 15, my dream was like to work on game for Sony, right? Mm-hmm. And interesting enough, I interviewed with Crystal Dynamics. They gave me an offer. I interviewed with, uh, uh, with another game company. They gave me an offer. I interviewed with um, two more game companies. I don't remember their name. They were like mobile. And I actually were, I was contacted by 8 Software. So I rejected Crystal Dynamics. I came here and I was like, I did the interview. Actually, I rejected after I interviewed with Soccer Punch. And I told my wife, I feel like this is the place that I should work for. And yeah, they gave me an offer a week, uh, three days after, and everything went well, and I'm still here. <laughs> I'm not planning to leave this time. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been there? Since 2nd of October 2017, I started. Mm-hmm. So it's about a year and a half. So why do you want to do this? Art? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's in my DNA. <laughs> I mean, I love creating, right? I mean, the, if you look at the history of human being, by the way, I love, I love archaeology and reading about human history and all of that. So I research about a lot of that, a, a lot about that topic. So mm-hmm. if you look at the, the oldest like sculptures and paintings, 40,000 years ago, people were painting on caves, right? That was a way of communication, leaving a mark for the future to see. If you look at the history, like now we are doing it digitally, but 
I think even if there was no computer, I would make something by hand, to be honest. I think it's in our DNA. I mean, every human being is an artist. Every human being is a musician, right? Just think about it. Like, if you give a good game to someone to play or watch a great movie, they're going to enjoy it, right? It's art. Or if, if you take someone to an art museum, show them David from um, Michelangelo, they're, they're going to love it, right? They're not going to say, oh, whatever, what is it? I, I don't like it, you know? Or an amazing painting from Da Vinci, right? So I think it's in our gene. It's just like some people like try to embrace it, you know, try to, you know, get to that direction. I, I, I think we all have art in, in ourselves, right? If you look at the daily life, everything you use is a, is a piece of art, right? The designs you see every day, cars, desks, monitors, right? And people care about like amazing stuff. They buy an iPhone every day, not because of the technology, because it looks nice, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just fun. Like when I sculpt, I think I think it's fun to me. Like when I play music, it's just like takes me to a different world. It calms me, makes me relax. It's a hard feeling. I don't know how to describe it. You, you understand me. I don't know what to say. You know, it's a, it's a feeling inside. How long have you yeah, been married now? Ten years. I got married when I was twenty-three. How long is it? Do you think to have a, like a partner, a really supportive partner? If you don't have a partner, you don't have a life. Mm. That's what I, how I would describe it. Like I don't know what I can do without my wife. I can live, right? I can eat food. I can work, but I think love is everything. Yeah, probably love is everything because I mean I'm doing my job because I love it. I'm with my wife because I love her. I couldn't imagine to. To be with someone that I don't love or do something that I don't love, right? I, I cannot be a salesperson, for example. I don't like to sell a stuff. So in terms of your work, it's a lot of character, a lot, a lot of stuff that you've done. So let's run through a couple of different checklists to just see like what it is that you really think character artists need to learn. Because, you know, from your own experience, being a character artist, so, you know, like environments, they deal with a lot. But character, you have to go really deep and, yes. and you have to go deep in several different areas. So let's say if we're just, if somebody's got six months, they want to make themselves as good, maybe six months or a year, I'll let you decide. And they want to make themselves a candidate for a job. What are the things that they should do? Here's the thing what I would say, never work for a job. That's a mistake. Mm -hmm. You know, people set their goal too low because of a job. I have done that myself. And I'm like, when I go back, I'll change the way I did the things, you know, mm -hmm. I'll go the same way. I'll do all the things that I did. but. Probably I'll think more before I look for a job. Job is great. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. My journey was great. Working with different people gave me a lot of experience. But the goal shouldn't be job. Because ultimately, when you set your goal to be a job, that means like you're thinking about money. Mm -hmm. And as, long, as soon as you think about money, you're throwing creativity away. Money is good. I'm not saying it's bad. I love money myself. You know, I try to save and do all of that. But I think people should just work on... Again, just on the, on the why, you know, why they want to do this. Right now, I'm just like starting from zero again. I can tell you that because I'm starting to learn human, human anatomy again, like from scratch. I bought this book, Artistic Anatomy, which is an amazing book. And I think everyone should have that book, that book if they want to learn, human, uh, learn to sculpt characters. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I understand people want to look for a job, but I think if they focus on their, their ultimate goal, the job will come. You know what I mean? Like, They'll find a way. They'll find a job. They're, they're not going to be homeless or not have money, you know. But if you, if you focus mostly on your job, that means like you're training your brain to use the, the, the biggest resources that you have. Our brain is the strongest thing in the, in the, on Earth, basically, right? We can create things that no other creatures ever did on Earth, probably, right? So if imagine like you focus all that energy instead of thinking like the side things like a job or moving to this place or that place. 
you can learn faster. So I would say if artists, if they want to get somewhere that they want to become an amazing character artist or an amazing sculptor, mm-hmm. I would, if I do it, I would focus on human anatomy, you know, practice daily. I would just learn all the names of the muscles. I would read about different artists. I would follow like my idols, you know, and explore their work and see how they did things. Nothing is better than learning from the masters because they, they went away. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can just look at their work, try to analyze it, try to understand as much as you can from them. You know, you don't have to like understand everything. But yeah. over time, when you give time to your brain, human brain is like this. Every time we learn some new skills, we are creating new wiring in our head. And every time you practice that, repetition is the power of everything. Repetition is the most important thing I would say. So imagine like if you repeat something every day for a certain amount of time, your brain creates more wiring. When your brain creates more wiring, over time, you're basically exercising your brain, right? It's like someone who goes to gym, right? Mm -hmm. They they lift weights. First day, it's like two pounds. Second day, it's like three. And they go up and then after like a year, they're lifting like 100 pounds, right? Or 200 pounds. If they don't start as small and if they don't have a goal, they're not going to be able to do that, right? Our brain is the same. So start small, give time to yourself, repeat, practice, study, and do it every day. And don't rush it. Like you need to give your brain time to process whatever you learn. And usually that happens when we go to sleep. And then technical side of it is important too. But you can learn the technical side on the way because technique is so limited comparing to, to art. Art is like unlimited, right? You can go as far as you want. You can create billions of or unlimited amount of human posture right? And they study them. There's no limit to it, basically. So every time the posture change, anatomy changes, right? But learning how to model characters, technology is improving. And I bet eventually, like Z-modeler, Z, Z right? Mm-hmm. Eventually, something will come that will create lower-risk characters without you doing anything. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Have you seen uh, Houdini's low-res stuff? No, I actually didn't work with Houdini at all. Yeah, one of my students, Natalie, uh, her husband's a Houdini guy, and he showed uh, uh, her how to do the low res retopology all inside of Houdini, and you know, it's it's just it's similar algorithms to like Z Remesher and Decimation Master, and well, I mean, more to Decimation Master than Z Remesher, but anyways, crazy powerful. And then I was talking to Martin Kalicki just about a, just a couple of hours hours ago. You know, he was like, they use Houdini there to redo topology on on characters, on objects, on on everything, like, you know, they, they, you know, obviously they craft it. There's more work. It's not just flat yeah. Houdini, but, you know, it's it's getting more and more automated. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And it's a code, right? But every time you make a code, it exists. It's not going to disappear, right? Yeah. But art is different. Every artist is different, right? I mean, Da Vinci used to paint amazing stuff, right? Amazing paints, paintings. But Michelangelo was amazing. Bernini was amazing. They couldn't use each other's art, right? They couldn't take each other's a sculpture and I don't know, like work on that. Like, it's not like a code, mm. right? You have, they right. have to do it again. Yeah. But technique is always, I'm very technical too, by the way. I studied math and physics at high school. So I understand like topology, like really good, really, uh, or UV maps or yeah. uh, how to manage memory and things like that. Um, that could be one of my strongest points besides like art. I'm a good problem solver. Having that, I, I'd say like, if you want to be an artist, it's great. They should definitely spend time on human anatomy. That's a, that's the most important thing. I don't care what their skin looks like. If they know how the muscles work, if they they know how many bones are there, 
that's why I'm actually going back and trying to uh, to to learn the layers that you don't even see, right? Like all yeah. the muscles inside and bones and things like that. So I'm basically it's, trying to start from scratch. It's the great limiter, right? It's like you can learn the software, you can learn the tech, but anatomy is the limiter. That's the one yeah. that decides how far you go at the end and of the day, actually, I think. You're actually right on that. And you know what's interesting? I set my goals to be where I want to be. You know, where I am, where I want to be right now, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying I set up, um, I'm, how do I say, like, I don't want to be negative or anything like that. That's not what I mean. But I think I set my goal too low. Now I see that I could could go way beyond what, I, what I'm doing now. There is no limit to human capacity. There is no difference. Like, I'm a human being. I have a brain. You're a human being. You have a brain, too. The difference yeah. is, like, how you use it, how you train it. You know, you know uh, sorry to interrupt. Rashid has a, a quick note in here that he's bringing up too, because he's saying, so basically what you're saying is that the, the way to approach learning is with a sense of discovery instead of a sense of what I need to learn to get this job. I think so, because if you look at the human history, we are always looking for new things. We are always trying to discover, right? Journey yeah. to the moon or sending spaceships to Mars. This is all related. Like, by the way, like art is, is everything. You know, everywhere. There is art everywhere, you know? So if we didn't have that discovery sense, we would just sit in one place and we wouldn't leave um, our first lands. You know, we wouldn't be anything, basically. We would just be, I mean, you know, we wouldn't evolve, you know? So yeah, definitely. I mean, what I would suggest is like, use what others learned mm. and use their work, study them and get, get better at uh, get become better at it, you know? I know Domichi is amazing. Like he was an amazing artist, right? But do you think there are, I mean, no artists like him today. I think there are many artists that are better than Da Vinci or better than Michelangelo today. So, I mean, and they wouldn't be if they didn't, they didn't have a dream. You know, they, they sh- I mean, you should always dream. You should always like dream big. Einstein says, like, if you don't dream big, I don't know the exact sentence, but you need to dream about something before you achieve it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you shouldn't stop. Aim for the sky. Aim for unlimited. Like, don't aim for like, oh, I want to have a job in this country and here and do this and that that's it you know that's so limited like you're just telling your brain i don't want more than this throw away uh, the rest of the potential now one of the things that i believe in is that sometimes if your goal is too big then it it becomes the problem in and of itself because it's too hard to really even know how to approach it so what do you say to people who are having a hard time finishing things because maybe they they've they're reaching but they're just like they've just lost the traction. That's a great question. First, don't rush it. You have a goal, you're going to reach it. I mean, those who try to rush it, then they'll never reach the goal because they, they get into this loop and they make mistakes every day and they're just going to stay there for years. And then they're like 40 years old and they're oh, I mean, I wasted 20 years of my life. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give up, right? The best way I would say for me was this. I tried to break the problems into smaller chunks. And I'm actually doing that when I'm learning music. I'm learning piano, like practicing every day. And every time I learn a new piece, I just pick a harder piece the next day. Or my teacher says, pick this one and it's hard, but you can do it. Every time I pick a new piece, I break it into sections. Like I go every measure, you know, small chunks, right? The, the big, the goal, the ultimate goal is huge. Like it's something that I, if I want to think about that, I want to play it in the next two days, it's impossible and I won't give up, right? So you have a big goal, but Write it down, make a decision. That's very important. Make a decision first. When you make a decision, start doing it immediately. Don't wait tomorrow. Don't say, ah, I'm going to start next Saturday. And then your goal is there. It's not going to go away. 
but you don't have to think about it every day. You just sit there and practice and break it into smaller chunks. Like if you want to learn human anatomy, right? First, you have to fail. You have to fail thousands of times or hundreds of times, you know? When you fail, you learn from your mistakes. If you fail, that's actually a good sign because that means you, like, you understood something that you didn't know before because you understood that you're, you failed, you did something. So now you know that the problem, you're going to attack it and fix it. To make it easier is to break it into smaller ch um, chunks, like um, smaller pieces, like human anatomy, they can work on a finger and then work on the next finger, work on the hand, you know, work on the arm, work on the nose, and then put it together and then try to fix it. For human anatomy, one of the things that is very important is like proportion. You know, mm -hmm. people just jump into details and try to make like big muscles without any fat and put wrinkles everywhere. You know, it's just, it's just too much. I would say proportion is the biggest part. With 20% of the details they want to create, they can make a good character, basically. Mm -hmm. Finishing it is another skill. Usually, if I start sculpting something, I can, I, can, I can actually relate this to the, to the bigger goal, right? Like if they have a goal that they want to be someone huge in the, in the art industry, like sculpting characters is the same. Like, I mean, if you want to make a great character, like for example, I saw the character and then I take it up to a point. I'm like, okay, from here, I need to change it and I need to do something. And then I basically start researching what is missing and I break it into smaller chunks and I try to fix them one by one. It's like a problem solving thing, basically. You know, Corinne's got a, I think she's got an important question here, right? Because we were talking about, you know, a big thing that I focus on is jobs because, you know, it's yes. kind of core to, to me. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I remember being a night restocker and working in bookstores and poverty, all that stuff. I get your message that, you know, if you focus, uh, the way I might phrase it is if you focus on the job of it, then you kind of start from this position of scarcity and you just, you start to change the way you do things for the job. Yes. And, and, you know, there's, there's little, as little else as worse as getting the thing that you think you love and then realizing that, you know, you don't. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you, you're just here for the money, and, but you literally trained all, and it's all your art is wrapped up around that. You know, it's a hard, it's a hard road to hoe. I remember actually when I was starting, it was actually one of the things that made me change with you artsy is I ended up building the school and I was like happy doing this. And then I ended up managing all these artists and I'm like, I'm helping people, but I fucking hate my life. Like <laughs> I seriously hate my life. Like not a, I don't like it, but I hate it. Yes. And that, you know, that led to me scaling back and pulling you artsy down and, and a bunch of other things, you know, cause you have to find your joy I mean, hating your life. It doesn't matter what the hell you do. That sucks. Yes. But the question Corinne's got is, you know, unemployed, wants to work in games, and we go from there. And, you know, the, the thing that I always tell people, you know, that's kind of core to this conversation is, is if you need a job, if you need a guarantee on it, right, then the yeah. guarantee is programming. Like, it's just, it just is. Like, if yes. you go yes. six months, job. you learn programming, you will get a job. I mean, it's, there's like a million unmet jobs by 2020 is last, last thing I read, which is yeah. insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and I was just literally down at I met I ran into the president of um, Turtle Rock Studios mm -hmm. down uh, at the cafe, the Grove down here in Laguna Beach. I was mm -hmm. meeting with his wife on some something. We were thinking about um, having some some animation courses. So I met with him and we got onto this conversation at one point, and you know it was just like yeah that you know it's, it's so true. There's such demand for games or for yeah. programmers. 
you know, if that's what you need, then that's the deal. But if you want to be a game artist, you have to be prepared for a different journey. Yes. If you guys heard my journey, right, I had to work on jobs that I didn't like, right? But the goal for me wasn't that job. The goal for me was something else. That's what I mean when I say don't look just for a job. If you're looking for something like you want to work in a specific studio, work on a product, set your goal higher. And then, like, let's say you want to work for, I don't know, like Blizzard, right? If I, if I want to work for Blizzard, I would look at the website, make characters that are um, similar to their style, right? I try to re- present myself as someone who can do their work. And you said like six months to a year, right? Depending on the scale, someone who starts from zero, I think that's a bit too rushed, six months to a year, if they don't have any knowledge of 3D, basically. I don't know what your experience is. You're more experienced than me on this, Ryan, because you have the school and you know, what the capacity of people are, like how fast they learn and stuff. It's, uh, for me, it's eight months. If you have minimal experience, it's eight months. The boot camp yeah. I have is kind of designed for people who have experience, although we kind of take the whole journey, right? And, and we right now, although this is changing a little bit, but everybody who's in this conversation all has access to these office hours that I do every week. So that's just part of the boot camp. And I did that so I could really learn more about how people grow. And yes. I've seen, if you start from nothing, I've seen somewhere around month eight, magic starts happening. It's like the most, it's like the, it's just the most beautiful thing ever is to see somebody start out frustrated and then eight months later you're like it's magic something's working yeah and i think that's correct because i think that's i can't relate relate to that because when i started practicing piano i couldn't do anything right it's it's hard it's a hard instrument after eight months i was like i can see that i'm leveling up i think human brain works like that on everything right so i think i think what you're saying is correct but obviously like hard work you know correct planning using the time properly I wouldn't work like for 16 hours or 18 hours a day because you need to let your brain to, to relax and just sink in what you learned, right? If that makes sense. Um, if you don't let your brain to relax, probably you have to come back the next day and redo what you did last night. Uh, I would definitely say like work-life balance is important, like have some fun. But if you're, if you're, if they're desperate to find a job, I would definitely say just like to look at this is what I did, right? I applied for many studios, but at some point I was like, I was giving up, but I was like, okay, I need to. You know, actually, I can tell you this. 2012, I decided that I want to do something to change my life, right? And I made this mafia man, the one that you saw the portrait. And after that, it took me a year to find a job. So after, no, actually, not a year. When I did that, I started working freelance. And then when I decided to move out, it took me about a year from 2013 to 2014 to move out. Mm-hmm. And, and then I moved to US, right? So yeah. I think six months to a year is a good estimate. But my situation was different because I was like, on the other side of the planet Earth, right? And uh, companies, they don't usually... Like, now it's easier because there's like uh, there is a lot of demand in, game, in games, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Industry is growing. It's easier to get visas, you know? There's a lot of... There are a lot of talents, a lot of games being made. So I think your estimate is great, but there is a lot of hard work involved. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, it's not eight months of... Um, you know, it's eight months of... At least what I've seen, it's eight months of at least 20 hours a week on topic. Oh, you know? yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would say 20 hours is a sweetest spot, but I would spend more. Like, I, yeah, I mean, you know, if they, if they really want to do something, right? I mean, the way I would divide it is like, okay, if you don't know anything about anatomy, spend four, three, four hours a day studying human anatomy. If you don't know about anything about like topology or how to be efficient for games, then go study that, you know, uh, look, look at the game, search about it and see how you should make lowers. And it's very important. Like now we have to deal with it, right? I mean, 
you need to understand every part of making a character for game. And if you're applying for a job, you need to be ready. They're going to give you a test, for example, right? When mm-hmm. you get a test, you need to do exactly what they say. Don't try to find a way to do the test fast because there's a chance that if you do it that way, then you're going to lose the job. Rashid's got a great question, and I know this is very, this is very timely. Rashid, so we'll ask this question that he's got. And then what we should probably do is wrap up the conversation of this. You've got some work to show, and then we could get some people's portfolios to review. But I think a nice way to wrap this up, at least this conversational part of this, is what do you, because you decided at 18 and you had Persian parents, right? Yes. Persian parents, which, you know, it's like Indian parents, they're freaking ruthless (laughs) (laughs) and determined. I mean, like, on a level that Americans just cannot comprehend. Like, you know, yes. Americans do not get Persian, Asian, Indian parents. and no. ki- in, Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've got some ruthless, determined parents telling you you've got to be a doctor. You've got to be something like this, you know. And, um, yeah. and at 18, you say, screw off, right? Not necessarily yeah. like that, but like I'm gonna do my own thing. And Rashid's like, okay. I was like, oh man, maybe I was a little harsh by saying that. But. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you so you go into your hermit mode? What do you do? How do you manage that? How do you stay true and stay on mission? You know, here's the thing. You have to believe it, Ryan. Believe it or not, it's actually interesting like how human brain works, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, dealing with parents is another question. Right? I, I didn't fight with them or like, you know, punch my father or anything like that, you know. But I mean, I was like telling them this is right. And then I worked hard, right? I woke up mid- in the middle of the night and I started learning, doing things. And then eventually they'll see it. You know, that something will pass. Think about it this way. Your present is going to be the past and your future is going to be your present someday. So I always kept myself motivated by knowing that the future is going to be is, is bright actually i don't know if i can send a message it's it's a feeling it's a, it's kind of philosophical as well you know but i'm sure you went through the same same process you said you had to do different jobs and stuff right that you mm-hmm. didn't like but eventually you're doing what you wanted to do right and i think every it regardless of what field you're in i think that's that's what everyone has to deal with right so yeah i mean I went, at some point i had to basically Tell my father, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do This is what I want to do, you know? Uh, you guys have to trust me. Yeah, you, you need to support me. And then when they saw, like, uh, and, uh, you know, actually, how I was encouraging them, I was, like, making this stuff, and I was, like, calling my father. I'm like, look at this. I'm, I made this, you know? And when it was, like, crabby, it was just the beginning. Like, I, I wasn't doing anything well. But to him, he didn't understand it. Right? I was like, oh, how did you make this? Mm. I started to convince them that way, like, I can do something different. Yeah. That's yes. nice. Involve them in the journey and show them how, that you are actually working hard, that it is something. Because yeah. it is a mystery. I mean, I get that. It is a mystery. You tell somebody I want to make, I mean, shoot, I mean, around here, I tell people what I do for a living and they still ask me, sorry, what do you do for a living? Yeah. You know? I mean, you're in a good spot, actually, Ryan. I mean, people were laughing at me when I was in, back in Iran. Mm. They're like, are, are you stupid? You should get a job. Open a shop and make money. What what the what the hell is wrong yes. with you? So yes. like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Open a shop, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mac, thank you so much for um, you went over and above, and uh, I really <laughs> appreciate you spending the time. So we'll have to bring you in, and you know, another time, and um, and uh, take care of you for that. So I really, yeah. really thank you so much, man. Oh, you're welcome, man. I hope it was helpful. 
All right, guys, head over to Art Station, and uh, I'll give you the link right here. That's where you can get a hold of CM Mac. So make sure you can follow him there, and you've got all contact, and you can see what he's kind of up to, and especially this new project you guys are on, which is uh, oh, yeah, kind of exciting. Yeah, that looks cool. All right, my yeah. friend, thank you so much. It's great. To, you know, I've seen you in the forums. I've seen you around for a while, you know, and when I was over at PixLogic, you know, and yes. some of the projects you were on. I remember that Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, so I'm really glad to have this conversation with you. Thanks, man. Same here. Glad to. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Have a fantastic night. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. It really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.